0: Hello and welcome to Female Founder Fridays. Today on the show we have Tanya Van Court, the founder and CEO of Goal Setter. Goal Setter is a goal-based savings, gifting and financial literacy platform made just for kids and families. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Can you walk us through your main trajectory prior to starting Goal Setter, a little bit of the milestones and the main awareness points? that made you realize that this is what you wanted to take on in your life?
1: I can, but it's not going to sound that way because I did not want to take this on. (laughs) So um, starting from the beginning, you know, I'm the child of an elementary school teacher in East Oakland. My mom had six kids and would bring home more kids on the weekend. So, you know, if you look at an archetype for, for who I am and who my hero was, my mother was my hero. And so bridging gaps meant a lot to me and taking care of other people and giving them opportunities meant a lot to me. And so when I was young, I wanted to be the next Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, that, that is what I wanted to be. I had no interest in business or entrepreneurship. I ended up going to Stanford and getting two degrees in industrial engineering, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, social justice or anything else, mostly because um, my mother died when I was six and we all went to go live with my aunt, my mom's sister and um you know we were not poor by any means my my aunt you know was a single mom with a decent job and you know she knew how to make ends meet as good mothers do i won't even pretend like i ever felt like anything in our home was missing but she was a single mom with seven kids and so that means that you know you don't have a lot of extras and you don't have a lot of financial flexibility by the time i went to stanford i really felt like I wanted financial security in my life. I wanted to be able to to make choices that, you know, maybe my aunt and even my mother had not been able to make. Hence, I majored in engineering. Well, I took that engineering degree, worked at a few companies, ended up at ESPN, where I launched the first version of ESPN3, the first digital video player in the industry. Then I was at Nickelodeon, where I ran preschool and parenting digital. So NickJr.com, Noggin.com, great brands like that. And then I moved on to Discovery Education and they were launching digital textbooks throughout the country. And I led marketing for Discovery Education as they were doing that. And so, you know, this trajectory kind of started for me as I wanted to do things that gave other people and gave kids in particular, I love kids, opportunities. I ended up, you know, kind of going into a technical business field because I thought that's what I needed to do in order to be financially secure. But my life just took me back one step at a time to where I was meant to be, which is in a place where I'm developing products for kids because, you know, that business paired with my passion leads
0: me to Goal Setter. Beautiful. How long were you in the idea generation step for, for the initial Goal Setter thoughts and who did you first discuss it with and who did you go to for advice when you were first coming up with it?
1: You know, it's really funny because going from corporate America to becoming an entrepreneur, you know, a lot of people think that's a natural step. You're in business and you're moving into business, right? Um it's not like you're going from medicine into being a lawyer. I mean, they're not they aren't two different industries, but they are two different worlds. And there is a huge learning curve to go from being at a large company to being an entrepreneur. So I initially got the idea for Goal Setter because my daughter, she was eight, about to turn nine, and she said, Mommy, for my ninth birthday, I really only want two things. And I said, What's that? She said, Enough money to save for an investment account and a bike. And I thought, Wow, those are amazing goals. And instead, you're likely going to get a rainbow loom and a sew your own purse kit and a make your own gum kit, all this junk that you don't want, need, or use. And then I realized that she wasn't doing that to herself. We were doing that to her as her village. Her village was turning her into a consumer at the ripe old age of nine. And what she wanted was to save for bigger goals and save for things that were important to her. And so that was really the first step of my incubation period. In that moment, I looked at my daughter and said, wow, if I can get every kid to say that they want to save for an investment account and save for a bike or anything else they really care about, I can change the world. And fundamentally, I think that's what I was put on Earth to do. You know, I believe that service that we give is the rent that we pay for our time on this Earth. I believe that. And so I felt like I was meant to change the world and I needed to invest my time and talents there. So that's where I started. It took me a while to get there. I did a couple of years of really kind of dancing around and researching the idea and thinking about did I really want to leave corporate America and the comfort and security and big paychecks that that gave to me and my family? But ultimately, I felt like it was it was my destiny to do this, and you know, weirdly, that I was ordained to do this. I had a background in education. I had a background in kids. I happen to be an African American woman who cares so deeply about the African American community and our ability to close the wealth gap and close the equality gap in this country. And I knew that there was no person out there who could develop a financial product that was also an educational product that was also a gaming and fun product that appealed to all kids in the way that I could. It it took me a while to make the leap, but I did make the leap and did so with the help of a couple of friends who worked in the entrepreneurial space who I reached out to and said, can you help me to think about this? Because I just didn't know how to think about it.
0: And did you decide to take the leap and leave the corporate job once you already had uh, users or money raised or development team, or what was that cutting edge decision to fully commit to goal setter?
1: People say you can't raise any money unless you're doing this thing full time. And you know, when I started goal setter, I was uh, 42 years old. I had two kids and it's really hard to imagine and particularly for women, right? It's so hard to imagine. I gotta leave a good paying job. I have kids to feed and I have to save for their college fund. I was a single mom at the time. This path of, hey, I wanna be an entrepreneur, it's not the same for everyone and it it certainly isn't equal for everyone. So everyone said, look, no one's gonna take you seriously unless you're doing this full time. I had the good fortune of having a severance from uh, the, the company that I had worked for. They had relocated and laid off all of their New York employees. I had a severance. And so I said, okay, I've got four months that I can, you know, not have a job and I can start making progress on this idea. So I used that four months to do that. But of course, building my, you know, minimally viable product, it took longer than that. It took more resources than what I had from that severance. I was doing it full-time. From the time that I decided to do it, I was doing it full-time. And I started raising money only after I got my MVP in
0: place. Lovely. And I know from where I previously saw you, how was your experience in in the raising money? Because you spoke about an experience of going to your Stanford alumni and the response you got there. And then how did that proceed to make you better at, at raising money or at presenting your value proposition?
1: Yeah, so I was at a Stanford National Black Alumni Association meeting, and there was a panel talking about entrepreneurship. In that panel, talking about entrepreneurship, people opened up the panel afterwards for questions, and I made sure I was the first one to the mic. And when I got on the mic, I said, thank you so much for the panel. I'm starting a company. Our company is called Goal Setter, and here's what we're doing. (laughs) And I gave my 30-second elevator pitch. I said, if anyone's interested in investing, please come talk to me. Well, fortunately I knew a lot of the people in the room. A lot of them had been my friends for many, many years and they had seen my success in corporate America. And so they were my first investors and they are my most ardent supporters to this day. In so many ways, I feel great about that experience. And in so many ways, I feel so sad about that experience because there's so many entrepreneurs out there or budding entrepreneurs who have great ideas but who don't have a Stanford network that has the ability to write $25,000 checks to help fuel your dreams or your passion or your venture. And so I was really, really lucky to have that. And it bolstered me, you know, having the support of those folks, not just their checks, but having them call me and reach out to me and say, what else can we do to help? We're proud of you. You're making great progress. Those are all the words that an entrepreneur needs to hear. And those were the early signs of support that I got that have carried me through to where we've gotten today.
0: And from having your MVP, what were some of the first skill sets that you learned or had to learn to move the company forward? And what skills did you draw on from past experiences that were fundamental to building the first versions and getting the first users?
1: So when you're starting your own company, if you're starting with $100,000 in the bank, then the options you have are very different and if you're starting with a million dollars in the bank, right? If you've got people who can write you big checks and um, you are starting in a, a plum cash position, it really gives you the opportunity to, you know, go out and hire people who, who can complement your skill sets. When you don't have that much money in the bank, you got to draw upon every skill that you've ever had or thought you sort of kind of had. <laughs> and so for me, I had led product development before. I had not coded. I knew I couldn't code, but I had to look at the other parts of the product development process and say, can I do those things? Right? Can I sketch out wireframes? And maybe they won't be perfect, but I can ask some friends to take a look at them and you know get me the other 20% of the way there. Can I do branding? Can I do marketing? Can I do research? So I did all of those things early on. All of them. And I, I did ask for for help from friends to, you know, to give me some counsel or get me a little bit further. But fundamentally, you got to do a lot as an entrepreneur. You have to be multi-talented and pretty good at everything um, and great at a couple of things.
0: How did you start building partnerships and who were your first client relationships and how did you manage selling them this product?
1: We are actually uh, in the midst of, of many of those partnership discussions as we speak. Um, and now is the right time where people are really interested in having those discussions because. We are clearly in a recession employees want more than ever for their companies to help them with economic security and for their companies to help them with economic mobility and so we allow for companies to give goal setter to their employees as an employee benefit and they can see the savings account for that employee's family and you know as simple as it sounds why is it so amazing and so important because kids who have savings accounts in their name are not only six times more likely to go to college, they're also four times more likely to own stocks by the time they're young adults. And so just having Goalsetter as a platform in the hands of a family increases that family's propensity to be able to close the wealth gap for the next generation of their kids, to be able to make sure their kids are responsible with money, even if their parents are wildly successful and wealthy. of wealthy families lose their wealth by the third generation. Goal Setter is one of those tools that you can give to an employee's kid at Morgan Stanley, which we have, or you can give to, you know, an employee's kid who works in a factory. And no matter which one of those employees you give it to, they're gonna be thrilled because you were thinking about their kid and you're helping their kid to learn the value of money and to be financially independent. And ultimately as parents, that's what we all want for our kids. We want for our kids to be financially independent and happy.
0: Can you go over a brief product description of the overall platform and talk about how it has evolved either through feedback that you've received or through interactions that have happened on Goal Setter?
1: Goal Setter started as just a gift-giving platform because, as I said, my daughter said that you know for her birthday, she wanted goals instead of traditional gifts. So we started there, and then when we got into the ERA Accelerator program, we got a lot of feedback from parents. And what we heard from parents was, yes, we don't like gift giving, and we want to replace that with something more meaningful. But when these kids get the money, we want them to have it in an FDIC insured account. And we don't want other people to be the only one to contribute to their goals. We want to contribute to their goals, too, as, as their parents. And oh, wait, they should contribute to their goals, too. So we want to wait for them to earn allowance and contribute to their goals. And if they have an account that has money in it, shouldn't they have financial literacy associated with that? So we want some financial literacy. And when you have that financial literacy for kids, it's got to be fun. Can you make it game-based? And so <laughs> the, the the request just kind of went on and on and on. And the beautiful thing about that is you know, we now have a platform that is so robust and so amazing. It sits right in the center of the family. It meets the needs of every member of the family, from cradle to graduation. It meets the needs of parents. 80% of parents said they love Goal Setters so much they wanted to use it to save for their own goals, too. Family members and friends can gift goal cards instead of gift cards on birthdays and holidays. So they are giving real money towards real dreams in a real FDIC-insured account. Kids have an allowance feature where they can earn money to save for their own goals and to make their own dreams come true. Parents can set up auto-save or round up every one of their debit card purchases and save a little bit of money over time towards their goals, like a rainy day fund or a family vacation, or towards their kids' goals, like, hey, Johnny wants to go to robotics camp. We also allow parents to invite other family members to uh, through our family circle feature, so other family members can help contribute to a kid's goals as well and help that kid to save for their goals too so you know it really is a robust platform in terms of a savings platform and then we layer on top a fun set of financial literacy quizzes mapped to national financial literacy standards put out by jumpstart.org but um rooted in memes and gifs from social media influencers pop stars hip-hop personalities so they're super fun and you know when beyonce says can you pay my bills can you pay my telephone bills we use that to explain that Beyonce wouldn't need anyone to pay her bills if she had an emergency fund uh, of three to six months saved. And so kids really resonate with those concepts and seeing the same means and gifs that they see on Snapchat or Instagram in Goal Setter. But, you know, having them teach them real things and really connect with them in a way that no other app does. We're really proud of what we've built, and there is nothing else on the market like it. I mean, truly, there's nothing else on the market that, you know, as we say, it's Nickelodeon meets FinTech. And that's what you get, you know, when you get a a woman who comes from the gaming space and the entertainment space. I've seen bored kids. It's not fun for any of us. (laughs) And so we love to engage them, and we love for them to learn while they're being engaged.
0: Right. And so for example, a a kid goes on the platform and sets their goals and then the money is contributed. And then how does it get released to them? Do they have to verify that it's being used for that cause?
1: They don't have to verify that it's used for that cause because, you know, you assume that anyone who's giving this kid money knows the kid, right? So it's my niece or my nephew. I know if you're really going to buy that skateboard (laughs) or if you're really trying to go to robotics camp, but sometimes kids change their mind, right? I mean, like sometimes they're saving for something and they see that big $250 number on their screen and they're like, wow, I've got a $250? I don't know if I really need another fancy skateboard like I thought I needed. And so we do let them move money around between goals. When they decide that they've reached a goal that they want to then spend their money on, the parent can click cash out on that goal and the money will go right back to the parent's connected bank account. Very soon though, we are launching a teen and tween debit card. And in fact, we're in testing for it this week. So I'm super excited about that. And our teen and tween debit card is going to allow kids then to, once they've reached their goal, transfer the money onto that debit card and use the debit card either online or in store to pay for their goals themselves.
0: That's wonderful. Turning back a little bit to the struggle aspect, what have been some of things that you were most uncomfortable doing either at first or still now? And what are some of the obstacles that you have ahead of you at the moment?
1: For any female founder, for any non-binary founder, for any LGBTQ founder, for any African American founder, raising money is going to be your primary struggle. You know, and it's so frustrating to know that you have an app that you see kids use, you see families use you see it changing their lives. And yet there are other apps out there that don't do that. They get funded at, you know, 10 times what you get funded at. And that's really hard. And so when you talk about what is the struggle, right? The struggle is a a capital struggle for sure, right? Figuring out how to make it from month to month and pay your engineering team and continue going and building a great app and figuring out how to eke out a little bit of money for marketing. Um, So the struggle is a capital struggle and an operational struggle. The struggle is also an emotional struggle. I say to people all the time, the social unrest that's happening in the streets today, right now, as you and I talk, translates to a lot of emotional unrest that's happening amongst African-Americans in their homes. And so, you know, we can talk about the actual operational and executional struggle, but the truth is that it's hard for any founder to stay motivated and excited. And it's 10 times as hard when you deprive and undercapitalize a founder for them to, you know, remain motivated and excited. And so there's a real emotional toll that it takes on you. And you've gotta just keep your eyes on the prize and know that somehow, some way you'll make it. And that's how we have, you know, seen many, many obstacles along the way, but we've never let those obstacles become a barrier. So that's been the struggle and that will continue to be the struggle, I guarantee for the duration of this, of this experience until America changes. And beyond that, the rest of it is not a struggle to me. The rest of it is a joy. I create products with great people who I love and who I love working with. Really is a great, great team. And then I love seeing our product in the hands of kids. I was on a call with 10 kids last week, and these are all kids who were in high school. They had just signed up for, the, um, for Goal Setter the week before, And I said, I want you to tell me the good, bad, and the ugly about the product because that's how we get better. I said, "Um, don't forget, I want the bad and ugly. You're not hurting my feelings. That's how we get better. And they all said, Miss Tanya, because they were the politest kids ever. Miss Tanya, we love this product. It's so clean. It's so slick. Oh, I love the quizzes. I love how I can get points. I love You know, that I already have $12 on my account from last week. Um, I'm doing, you know, more chores than ever. My mom's happy. I'm happy. I mean, it's just, you know, they're learning things and it's changing their lives. And so, you know, my struggle is one of, uh, you know, the, the struggle that so many folks are facing right now and fighting right now in America. But my joy is that when we make it through these struggles, because we will, when we make it through these struggles, we will change the lives of millions of kids for this next generation, and you know I would trade all of the angst that we've gone through for that.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a big motivator when you're when you know that you're doing something that is changing and influencing positively. That is dear and near to your heart. That is that you're seeing the change with your own eyes, and that you truly believe in. So. What is an advice that you hear or see that people repeat mindlessly that you don't agree with or that you think is pure fluff?
1: I think follow your dreams is advice that people repeat mindlessly because it's not caveated, right? I think you got to say, follow your dreams after you do an ROI. What I mean by that is you could be following your dreams for 10 years and in that process, you could lose your home. You could lose your retirement fund. You could lose your kid's college fund. You could lose your marriage. You know, there are a lot of big sacrifices that people make when they are entrepreneurs. And you got to really know what those sacrifices could be. Worst case scenario, your, your scenario might be best case, but it might be worst case too. And you got to know what those sacrifices could be. And what your level of tolerance for those sacrifices
0: is? What is a piece of information that you absorb normally, whether it's a podcast, a news source, something you read, something you do on a consistent basis?
1: The podcast that I love to listen to every day is the Daily." and I love it because I feel like I try to get a glimpse of lots of things. But the daily takes me inside of at least one thing and, and lets me on a, on a daily basis become a, a little bit of an expert or get a peek behind the window at something that, that typically really matters to me. You know, when you talk about the issues that this country is railing against and grappling with right now, you hear the word systemic racism a lot. But a lot of people don't understand what systemic racism is. And so when you peel back the onion and say, what do the systems in our country look like? How have those systems been architected to benefit one group of people over the other, over and over and over again, right? I mean, we can go from system to system in this country and talk about, you know, the educational system and funding schools based on tax dollars in a neighborhood. Whoever thought that was fair? No one thought that was fair, but they didn't intend for it to be fair. You know, when you sell a, a company in this country, the first $10 million of revenue, you don't pay any taxes on. So let me understand this. A person who makes $30,000 that year pays taxes on that 30000 but a person who just became a multimillionaire doesn't pay any taxes on the first $10 million from the proceeds of the sale of their company. Who thought that was fair? No one thought that was fair. But, you know, black folks were too busy fighting for the right to vote to pay attention to the tax code for entrepreneurs, of which we were not many, and whether or not the tax code was fair and equitable. And so, you know, there have been so many things in this country that have been done that are systemically advantaging and giving one group of folks power and money. And leverage and systemically disadvantaging others, and so you know that's why I like listening to shows like The Daily because it, you know, it takes us uh, there. It, it it helps you to unravel and unwind what just a, a blurb means and uh,
0: gives it context and meaning. Yes, very true. I I enjoy that podcast as well. And who is an awesome other person you follow? Oh, an awesome person I follow is um, Tiffany the Budget Nista Alice.
1: Tiffany gives financial advice to folks around the country and you know, she was an elementary school teacher and now she's an entrepreneur with her own company and you know, just killing it. I mean, she's literally amazing and is helping people to live their dreams of financial freedom with real talk and sound advice and inspiration and sisterly love so tiffany is uh, one of my heroes
0: wonderful what groups or associations are you part of outside the main job
1: i have been involved in lots of groups and lots of associations but i found that when i became an entrepreneur just like i had to give up my cable I had to give up a lot of those involvements too. And you really have to prioritize your time, not just because I'm an entrepreneur, but because I also have three kids and a stepdaughter, who's my fourth, that I'm trying to split time between. And, you know, so in so many ways, it's hard to answer this question and say, wow, you know, the only things that I'm involved in outside of entrepreneurism are my... uh, uh, we, are, we have a moms group. It's a nationwide African-American moms group called Jack and Jill, and I'm a part of that organization. There is a African-American sorority that I joined when I was an undergraduate at Stanford, but it's a lifelong commitment because it's a service sorority. We're committed to public service, and that sorority is Delta Sigma Theta, and it's also you know predominantly black women, and I'm a part of that organization. But I don't have a lot that I'm doing outside of being an entrepreneur, and being a mom. And so again, in so many ways, you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing all of the 4 million things I should be doing. But the other half of me, I'm so excited that you asked me that question because we need to let women off the hook. You are doing enough. I literally this week have gotten on average four hours of sleep a night. And I'm exhausted and I've got the 10-year-old who wants me to play Madden with him and the four-year-old who wants me to, you know, go outside and have a water gun fight with him and, you know, the 15-year-old who wants to talk about the BLM movement and a, a conversation that she hosted between a state senator and a police chief organizer the other day and how excited she is that, they, that she was asked to host that conversation. And all of that work is meaningful. All of that work is important. That water gun fight is just as important as that Madden game is just as important as that conversation in support of my 15-year-old. So outside of being an entrepreneur, Alessia, that's what I'm doing. And you know, I wanna give every other woman out there permission to say, this is what I'm doing and this is all I'm doing and this is all I can do right now.
0: Totally, yeah, it's it's 100% enough. And then the last one being, what last words do you wanna leave our listeners with?
1: The last words I want to leave your listeners with are don't think that the next step you take in life, whatever that step may be, is supposed to get you to your ultimate destination. So if you're looking for a new job, don't think it's going to be the perfect job. If you're going out on a bumble date, don't think it's going to be the perfect date. Um, None of those are requirements of our path. The only requirement that you should have of yourself is that every step gets you one step closer to who you are meant to be. Don't take one step backward and away from what your gut is telling you and where your core is calling you to go. Make sure that your next step is just one tiny step in the direction of why you were put here on earth and what your value is and what your gifts are and what your talents are.
0: Just one step. Excellent, thank you so much for sharing. (laughs)